Ever wonder what goes on inside the mind of a therapist? Well, today we go behind the scenes, pull the curtain back, all will be revealed. <laughs> Kinda. How about, let me say it this way. Even though us therapists know a lot of shit and we're super awesome people who help you get through the hard parts of life, we're also quite empathetic and we really want others to feel better. So that can lead to us doing some people-pleasing and perfectionism behaviors. Join me today as I talk to my friend and guest, Janine Wolf, licensed clinical social worker. We get real about what we've learned in our 20 and 30 years in the field, and we give relatable tips to anyone wrestling with boundaries and self-care. I can't wait for you to meet Janine. All right, let's get on with it. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome. We have a guest today, which I get really excited about. And this person is a friend of mine as well. We're just going to start with, you know, having guests that are my friends, because why not? I mean, I know a lot of really cool people, and I would love to introduce you all to them as well. So we are going to be talking to Janine Wolf today. And here's the deal. If you didn't know this already, now you're going to. Therapists are people too. And so, you know, we talk about people pleasing and perfectionism here. And so even though Janine is going to be talking a lot about how therapists fit into these two categories, we're going to make this relatable to all the non-therapists out there. But I really just want you to get a little behind the scenes about what it's like to be a therapist because yes, we are people too. Uh, We choose to do this work because we're empathetic people and because we are inclined to help others. So I think that all people pleasers and perfectionists can relate to that. It's also easy to understand why we do this work because we have that empathetic and desire to help and we can be people pleasers and bring that into the therapy room without harming the client at all, but we do want to, you know, see our clients get better and feel better. And it's really easy to understand that we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to make that happen, right. Um, to know all the things and take the 40 different trainings, which I know that I am a training junkie, but to do all the things to make the therapy relationship feel safe for the clients, feel like we're doing the best work that we can. So anyway, let's get on to meeting Janine and getting into some of these issues. Um, And I'm just going to turn it over to her really quick to do a little intro and let us know where she's coming from, what she's doing, where she's been, all the good stuff. 
Yeah, thanks for having for me, it. Vicky. And I just I just have to say before I introduce myself that I'm so glad you said that <laughs> therapists are humans too, because like people think that we know all the answers and we respond in the perfect way all the time and that nothing bothers us. And um, I talk to other therapists about that all the time. So I think that this would be good for your <laughs> listeners to not only learn some lessons from the things we deal with, but maybe also if they have a therapist friend, maybe they can have a little more <laughs> empathy that they're really a person yes. as well. So anyway, I'm Janine Wolf. Yes. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been in the field for a little over 30 years. I have a solo online practice in the state of Virginia. I will just note that um, I live near a uh, naval base, and I'm hearing a jet overhead right now. I don't know if you can hear it, but occasionally <laughs> we'll get to enjoy the sounds of freedom periodically during this, and I apologize if it's disruptive. But, yes. um, so I see women, predominantly women with ADHD, and um, I also run a community for therapists called Collab Oasis Consultation Groups. There, It's a small group clinical consultation program. And I also have a podcast called Colleague Down the Hall, which is kind of new and I'm really excited about yes. it. So um, yeah, thanks for having me here. Yeah. And the Colleague Down the Hall, when the one uh, podcast I started with was mm -hmm. about us being human, you know, because I was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, let's see what she has to say about that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for doing that on your show <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, I think there's probably going to be four or um, five more like episodes on that because the list is so long. <laughs> right. Seriously, we just need a little bit of like, yeah. whew, right, right. you know, we can just, we can relax and we don't have to make the world better for every single person that comes in our mm -hmm. office, even though our heart's desire right, is right. to do so. So I want to let people know really quick what consultation groups are because... Um, yeah, they might not have heard about them. So sometimes they're called supervision groups, but basically what it is, is a group of us therapists get together usually once a month, but it just depends on how it's set up. And we have a person that is further down the road than we are, or at least like yourself, Janine, and at least somebody that we trust and respect their opinion and their suggestions and their, their take on things. And so we sit around with our peers and it's not like we sit around and complain about our clients or anything like that, but we do confidentially share if we're stumped or if we're stuck or if we just need ideas to really, you know, help our clients mm -hmm. move further a little bit. And we also talk about our yeah, own stuff. Exactly. We talk about what we call in the field countertransference, which, you know, when we get kind of hooked on something or we get caught not on what the client is doing, but like, oh my gosh, I remember I actually referred a client out years ago um, because she was dealing with... Um, a loss. Um, someone in her family had died. And so at that time, there was a lot of grief and loss mm -hmm. in my life. And I remember her and I just sort of fumbling mm -hmm. through some things and it was fine. She was, she was all right with that. I was very transparent with her and we both agreed that maybe um, because I didn't focus on grief and because mm -hmm. that wasn't my niche, that maybe she should talk to someone else. And so I had, I brought that to my consultation group. So that's kind yeah. of what you do. 
for people who aren't therapists but maybe see a therapist, um, I just want to make sure they know that it's also a really good standard of care. We de-identify our clients so yes. people don't know who we're talking about. But even if we're not really stuck, we just say, hey, I just, I've been working with this person for a while. I want to just see if anyone has any thoughts. We do this so that we can make sure yeah. therapists have a really high standard for ourselves in the work that we do. Really, really <laughs> high. Like the bar is like way up there. And so we do this to make sure that our clients are getting the very best care that they can. And so um, if you were to find out that your therapist got consultation and you didn't understand it, it might feel alarming. But we are professionals. We understand confidentiality. We de-identify our clients. And it's really important for the client's sake that we do this work. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And that is going to lead me right into talking about the high standards <laughs> we have. You know, falls into perfectionism. We're going to talk about people pleasing too. But what what's it like for you? What are you hearing in your groups or what do you feel comfortable sharing? Because it's going to be confidential too. How are we hard on ourselves? How do you, you know, how does it show up that we really want people to feel better? And yeah, what are you hearing? How are you helping your colleagues down the hall and the yeah, folks in your you groups? You know, it's, it's interesting because what a lot of people don't know is that most of us are trained as generalists. So we learn a lot about a lot of things. And then through our internships and our work right. experiences, we tend to continue on that path of a generalist where we're seeing people with anxiety and depression and, um, you know, lots of, you know, personality disorders, substance abuse issues. Like literally when I was at a group practice, I would bring a new mm -hmm. client back and I had no idea what they were going to say when they sat on my couch. Yes. And so um, that, that sort of sets us up to be scared and insecure. And for this work to be sustainable, most most of us kind of realize that we need to figure out what our niche is. What are the clients that we do our very best work with? And people can be judgmental mm -hmm. about that because we are also sort of raised up in this profession that um, we're never going to make any money. It's all about the client. We're going to be exhausted <laughs> all the time, that nothing is ever going to be good for us. And so those insecurities very right. much come into our work. So those, those things really feed into the imposter syndrome that we see so many clients have. And that's why so many are pushing for more seasoned therapists to start working towards a niche so that you can feel confident and you can know you're doing your very best work. But also, if you're working with a client who's not the right fit for you, they are going to drain you. And not only is that going to impact you right. at work and in your personal life, but it's going to impact your other clients as well, because now you're being zapped of this energy. So, so one of the things is, right. you know, accepting that we can do niche work and accept that if I refer this client out, who's not the right fit for me, who, and, and what happens a lot of times is someone, and I've done this before, I'll say, I knew when I took on this client, I probably shouldn't, but I did anyway. And now I know, like, if there is any inkling, then I, I just need to refer them out. So so we will take on this client that mm -hmm. they're really kind and they're not really our niche, but we think, oh, I just really want to help this person. And then they're exhausting us. And we might be doing a lot of external training mm -hmm. to try and figure out, like, what are the best ways I can help this client or doing yes. consultation deeper than what you would on, on a regular basis. 
And so we're spending all of this energy on this client and feeling badly about ourselves during the process. And so that's that's one of the things that I see time and time again and understanding that you're not a failure if you refer this client out, but there's another client, another therapist, that's their ideal client and they are going to be jazzed to work with that person. They're going to be like, "Yeah, bring them on. I love working with this person." Yeah, so mm-hmm. those that's something that shows up very easily. And like you said, as far as being a training junkie, I think most of us are because what we do is subjective. And there's so much that's changing in our field. We have such a deeper understanding of trauma now that it's, you know, it's constantly like we're trying to catch up. We're understanding the human mind and body so much more. So we're constantly feeling like there's more to learn, more to learn. Uh, and, And it's hard to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute, I'm doing really good work with my right clients. I can continue getting some training in this area, but I can't possibly know all the things to treat all the people. Right, right. And what I'm going to pull out from what you're Mm -hmm. saying, you know, specifically about therapists is also, you know, to non-therapists out there, but it it is exactly what Mm -hmm. people pleasers go through, right? I think that we, you know, we... uh, somebody needs our help with something or somebody's in need, right? Say it's a coworker and they live, you know, across town, but they're having surgery and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this coworker is so sweet. Let me just go and bring mm-hmm. them food or whatever. And then you're really fried because you're, you know, taking another hour and a half trip, you know, to go mm-hmm. drop them dinner off and then come back home. And so it's like, wow, you know, like, when you're a people pleaser, even if you're not a therapist, it's like, mm-hmm. what's your niche? Like, what can you yes. do easily and well that's in yes. your skill yes. set to do? Yeah, so right? like, I am, like, I'm not yes. the one who cook, so for me to like bake that casserole and drive it across town and deliver it, like, I would say, uh-huh. I would rather like have them send them flowers. I'll feel good about it. They'll enjoy that. But I'm going to like stress myself out if I'm making food and taking it there, right? Because that's not my niche. <laughs> Me too, sister. I do not cook for you. I can order something for you from your favorite restaurant, pay for it, and have it delivered. Yep. Yeah. But I think that's true, right? Is that we we start off um, as therapists, we start off just wanting to help anybody mm-hmm. and everybody. And I think it really, you know, people pleasing and perfectionism are just so mm-hmm. smushed together around this. Like I think about both of them, but it's kind of showing up a little bit more as you're talking with people pleasing, like, let's talk about our energy levels, <laughs> exactly right? Where my mind was going, um, <laughs> okay, good, good. Tell me right, where your so mind, my is, mind going. is going that people think we just sit and talk with people. But it's so much it's so much more than that. We're, we're remembering all of their history. We are incorporating our own history and trying to kind of separate that out. We are looking at their body language, listening to tone of voice, assessing for emotions, and trying to be objective and provide good input for this person, help them, you know, maybe gain some insights. It's really, really hard work. And again, we are, most of us are taught mm-hmm. that like, okay, you got to go in there and have an eight hour day where you see eight clients, which is not sustainable for most of us. And why so many people get burnout in community mental health. But what also happens is yeah. then people, therapists will realize, okay, I'm seeing too many clients during the day, but maybe you don't have a choice. Maybe that's the job that you're at and you have to do that. But now I realize I'm showing up at maybe 80% of my best therapist self or maybe 75 
25%. Mm. And honestly, you're probably still providing pretty damn good therapy at 75 or 80%. Yeah. But if we're not at 100%, we feel ashamed. We feel guilty. We go through this whole emotional turmoil of all the ways that we should be doing it differently. And the interesting thing is I've actually had clients where I had a session where I thought, Okay, I'm thinking about the session afterwards. I'm thinking there's a couple places I should have, you know, gone this direction instead of that direction, or maybe I didn't pick up on something I should have, or, um, and I'm seeing it now. And then they'll they come back the next session. They're like, that last session was amazing, Janine. <laughs> and I'm like, so I've been beating myself up about it for a week now, and they got what they needed, right? We, we sort of intuitively, yep. when we've done this for a while, we kind of know what they need and, and we can show up and give it to them. But we don't always, again, because it's subjective, we don't always see that or get it. Yeah, I'm right. Yes. I mean, what I love is that just personally, I love that people are getting to hear what it's <laughs> right. like to be a therapist because, you know, I have friends that are therapists, of course, like I want people to speak my language, but also I have a ton of friends that aren't. And if they are still listening to this, if they're like, oh my God, this she's always <laughs> talking about therapists, like I don't need to know this. That's why I'm trying to make it relatable to everybody. But I also am loving that you're focusing on how much yeah, work absolutely. we do. Yes, I don't, I don't right. think people know how much. Yeah, and honestly, if you talk to a group of therapists long enough, someone's going to say, so what do you tell people you do when you go to a party and meet new people? Because none of us wants to say we're a therapist because then people want therapy. <laughs> so, so I'm right. always tempted to say like, well, I work right. at Starbucks, but I don't know anything about working at Starbucks. I can't even name any of their drinks. So I really can't do that. But I'm just like, what can I say? They're, they're just going to be like, oh, okay. And then like walk on. They're not, they're not going to ask me any questions. <laughs> Actually, right. Starbucks is probably a bad example because right. then they probably want to know like, what is your favorite drink? or whatever. So anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. Can you let me know when they're having the pumpkin <laughs> right. macchiato or whatever? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to relate to non-therapists from what you shared is the high expectations we have for people mm-hmm. uh, or for ourselves as, you know, people pleasers and perfectionists and that there are, I don't know, the, a person that doesn't look back over what they said at a, at a conversation, you know, at a party in a conversation or whatnot and say, oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. missed that cue, even though they don't think about it like mm-hmm. we do as therapists. But to have what you're talking about is operating at, you know, 70 or 80%. I just want to give people pleasers and perfectionists permission to operate mm-hmm. at less than 100%. Because I think that as people pleasers and perfectionists, we are we're tuned in to a lot of nuances. You know, we've our nervous system is sometimes a lot mm-hmm. of times on alert to pick up cues in a room. We're good at that. And we can be pretty sensitive to other people's needs. And sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we have a cold. And that we can show up and be friendly, be caring without having to give everything, right? That a lot of times 70% attention on someone Mm -hmm. feels really good. And so just to give us permission to not have to be at 100% because like you said, sometimes we have a headache. 
you know, sometimes yeah. our kid, you know, has something stressful going on yeah. and we're just preoccupied and we yeah. can't help and, it. You know, and that's another, that leads into another common problem for therapists is, especially those in private practice, if we're sick, we go through this whole mental gymnastics about, <laughs> and, and I'm on, I'm virtual, so it's different for me than showing up face to face with someone. But if I'm sick, I'm like, how sick do I need to be to mm-hmm. cancel this session that this person is anticipating and needing and expecting? And yes. how sick do I need to be that I can still show up and do a good job? And I care about my client. But the other piece of that is, if I cancel this client, I don't get paid unless I'm sitting in front of somebody. So if I cancel this client, I'm letting them down. But then I'm also creating a financial stressor for myself. And, you know, and therapists, most therapists that I know don't want money to be in their mind at all in regards to their clients. If you work for yourself, Mm -hmm. it has to be and you have to learn to manage that. But it's so uncomfortable to have conversations about finances and fees and things with clients who are getting this tremendous support and therapy from you. So again, it's just Mm -hmm. that like, okay, I do need to take care of myself, I'm going to have to take this financial hit. And I know that this particular client is going to be okay, but I need to get back in bed and have a day off. And that's so hard to do from all of those different aspects. Yeah. So you're talking about boundaries and there's so many aspects of boundaries that I know I struggled with and still do, but less so um, at this point in my career around if, if a client cancels, right. And I'm virtual now too. So, you know, living in Atlanta, I don't know where, you know, how the traffic is where you are, but living in Atlanta, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's like, you never know whether you're going to get on the highway and you're going to be like, I can't make it. So that used to be a lot more of a problem or an issue or a stumbling block, whatever you want to call it. And the, you know, then the therapist is like, okay, do mm-hmm. I hold a boundary here? Because this person was <clears throat> on their way and does it feel right, fair, ethical to say, well, I'm sorry, it's a late fee mm-hmm. and I'm going to charge you. Or do I, you know, need to offer understanding that mm-hmm. I would want mm-hmm. shared with me and say like, okay, that's, you know, I'm just not going to get paid for that hour. Again, things are, are different now because I know people could pull <laughs> off somewhere right. and do a virtual session right. in the car. Um, but boundaries, boundaries are they a big are. deal. And, and time-wise too, like I know that we've all talked in supervision probably in consultation group about like, you know, I feel like my schedule is running mm-hmm. me. Like I ha- I need clients and there, you know, but I, I don't really work very well before 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's me, me you know, and so, but this person really wants to come in at eight, you know, how do you help people process their energy around, mm-hmm. like we were talking about being sick and, and like, I really can't show yeah. up for someone else right now. What about mm-hmm. like commitments and helping ourselves know that we can say, Mm-hmm. This doesn't work for me and still yeah. live through it. What you're describing in, in the therapist world is newer therapists who are going into private practice who are so anxious they're not going to fill their schedule that you might know that you don't do well yeah. before 10, but you're going to agree to see this person at 8 because you need a client and you're trying to get word of mouth and build up your income and all that. And that's fine and dandy for maybe a week or two, mm-hmm. but eventually you're going to start feeling resentful <laughs> towards that client. And that's that's not fair to them or to us. And, you know, and again, that's with 
if somebody has, they cancel, my, my policy is I need 24 hours notice if there's a cancellation um, so I can fill that spot and so I can maintain my in- income. But much like when I see them, the fees and all of that, I've really learned, and I think this applies to anyone, you don't have to be a therapist, I've really learned I have to take a step back and look at my values. So some, mm. you know, and, and there are therapists out there that will say, this is exactly the way people, all therapists need to do it. You have to charge that fee no matter what. And if that mm-hmm. works for you, that's fine. I'm of the mind that I need to find out what works for me and want my colleagues to support that. And I'm going to support them in finding out what works for them. I do work with some chronically ill clients, women who are ADHD, sometimes just don't make it to the appointment. And so I've learned over the years that if I can confidently say this is my policy, which is I require 24 hours notice for cancellations. However, if your baby was vomiting all night or you <laughs> you woke up and your GI issues are your ulcerative colitis is awful. You can't even get out of the bathroom. Give me as much notice as you can. That's what I'm asking. And I'm going to do my mm-hmm. best to fill that spot. And I'm going to try to get you in later in the week, which is what most of us want to do. But if you tell me that you want to go shopping with your friend instead of coming to therapy, then I am going to charge you because you, you're not respecting my time. And I'm not going to feel badly about that because I tell you all of this right up front and I give you the choices. I do it so much so that I'm sure there are times that someone will cl- lie to me and say they're sick. And if that's what happens, it does. I don't have time to worry about that. It's like it's a, it's a therapeutic, respect, yeah. respectful relationship. That's on them, not me. But, but it took me a while to get to this place. And who knows, as I continue to age, I might change that policy even again. Um, but that's what works for me because I have to feel good about this. And I see therapists in Facebook groups saying like, well, I make my, 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 you know, clients pay no matter what. And now I had to cancel cause I'm sick. So does that mean I have to give them a free session? I'm like, well, <laughs> you need to figure out what, how you feel about that. Cause you've, you've set this hard and fast rule that maybe sounded good and it's maintaining your income, but now it's creating another set of dilemmas that you need to think through. Yep. And Mm. the resentment piece, I think, is what ends up making us Mm -hmm. crack down on our policies. And it can be like one client who has some struggle with making the appointment for whatever reason that it starts to feel like they're taking advantage of us or it starts to feel like we're being too understanding of their situation. And then we feel like, you know what, I need to tighten these policies Mm -hmm. up across the board, right? And everybody else is like, whoa, wait a second, like everything was fine. And it's just, you know, I would love for people pleasers to figure out what their personal (laughs) policy is, right? Like our practice policy, and to use the values as that as the template for that, because you could be very understanding of something. But after a while, that understanding is going to build up resentment and you're going to feel like, oh, so every time, you know, we make a coffee date, you're sort of like, oh, you know what? I have an opportunity to go do this thing. And so, you know, you put off our coffee date and then eventually I'm going to be like, does this person Mm -hmm. even want to hang out with me? Like, this Mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. Like, so 
you know, in your personal policies, people pleasers, please <laughs> check your ability to over understand yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and be, uh, be the, uh, the right. accommodating yeah. one. Right. And I'm because... sure you talk about this for people pleasers, but I really with myself and clients will say, you do not have to give an answer right away. You can say, I need a minute to think about yes. that. Let me get back to you. And you serve yourself so much better if you do that. Um, <clears throat> because then you do have that space to say, oh, okay, while I really want to help this person, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come with that that's not going to be good for me. So now I can practice how I want to say no to this person <laughs> and then have like this little script exactly. prepared that I can tell them and be okay with it. Yes. Yes, because we created those policies over the years, right? Especially as a private practice therapist and we've learned. And so that's what... I am encouraging anybody that's listening to do is kind of reflect back. I want to talk about at some point in the future, your people pleaser <laughs> resume, which is, you know, looking back over how you have signed up for things and what that's been like and what your tenure has been in that, like being responsible for your next door neighbor. And after a while, you're just like, are they ever going to stop asking yeah. me to do, you know, blow the leaves off their driveway? Actually quite, it's called PTA okay. PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I used to talk about that for years. Thankfully, my kids are all in their 20s now, but I would be like, I'm having PTA PTSD because like, oh, yeah, don't even get me started on PTA stuff. <laughs> I love that. But yes, saying yes to everything. Yes, I Once love you that. Ag agree to do something, then they ask you to do everything. And yeah. So I think, you know, for us, people pleasing therapists out there and therapists that want to uh, do the best job possible, even if this is really a relationship, and it's quite subjective, to just remind us, you know, like, step back for a minute, right? Like you were saying, like, give me a minute to think about this, like in this and, and reflecting the the energy, the intention of reflecting and just say, like, how is this lining up for me, right? Like, how am I running my practice? Or for non-therapists out there, you know, like, how am I volunteering for stuff? How am I making my time and energy available to other people? And do a little audit, you know, how's it working? What's my energy level at the end of the day? Because I, I know for me through the pandemic, I really, you know, I, I expanded my schedule, right? Because so many people were like, well, I'm home and I can handle this thing now. Or, you know, the pandemic brought up the anxiety or depression. And so it's like, I need to talk to somebody. And my caseload was pretty high and it took me about a year and a half to realize like, oh, wow, like, I don't think this is sustainable. So it was difficult. But for about a year, I've been, you know, processing with people like, is it time for us to graduate our work together for right now? You know, and the door is always open. And I have to restore my energy level because yeah, I want to be I want to be the best 
clinician I can be when I show yeah. up with someone. Yeah, so. and we just didn't know what to expect with the pandemic. Every therapist that I knew at that time, we were getting flooded with requests for therapy, and we were trying to bring on as many people as we could, not understanding that this was a years-long thing that we were experiencing. Yeah. And then, okay, so now I'm in this pickle when I've got way too many clients, and I'm exhausted <laughs> because for the first time ever, we were living through the same thing all of our clients were living through. And that's a pretty unique thing for therapists. And yes. so it was draining on a whole different level. Um, and then realizing, okay, this is not sustainable. And and I got to a point where my voicemail says I'm not accepting new clients because I didn't even have the time to call someone back and say that I can refer oh, you to no. this person. But more importantly, I didn't know anyone accepting new clients. So I didn't even have anyone I could refer them to, I know. you know? And, and as a society, yes. we're still not back to social norms. You don't know when you go out if they're masking, not no. masking, if people are going to be kind or not kind. You know, there's still a lot of anxiety around that. And and I think for all people, they need to, like, take a little bit of notice of that and be kinder to themselves. Because people are tending to do less socially than they used to and feel great guilt about that at times. Right. And I like that you said, like, take care of yourself. And I think that I know our time is coming up. So I'll, I'll let us kind of start to wrap with this, but this, ah, this idea that we could invite in some kindness towards ourselves and what we're able to handle and what our limits are. And we, you know, through the word boundaries Mm -hmm. out there, which I love, but, um, you know, what, what feels, in alignment with our values and our energy level and things like that, let's start to wrap up with how we can yeah. take care of ourselves. Can I, I'd like, can I just, so what have you, you um, that, that I got from another therapist and I yeah. can't, if anyone knows who it's from, I would love to be able to credit it, but this is, this is good for therapists, but mm-hmm. really it's good for people pleasers, perfectionists as well. Everyone is on their own journey. I am not the cause of this person's suffering, nor is it completely within my power to change it, though I wish I could. Times like these are hard to bear, yet may I still help as much as I can. And I just feel like I have that actually on a post-it note on my computer desktop (laughs) because that's, you know, whether you are a therapist in a helping profession or just a really deeply caring person, we need to remember that, Right. (laughs) right? I like that. And I like that you pulled it up quickly. And I was wondering, I was like, oh, I bet yeah. she sees that daily. Because <laughs> yes. the way you pulled that out there, I was like. Literally like an, like an electronic sticky note on my desktop right there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. Remind us that we didn't cause it mm-hmm. and we can't fix it. So how do you see, how do you hear the clinicians in your groups Mm -hmm. and yourself start to remember or just start to practice being kind to yourself? Like how are some of the ways that people are bringing this into their repertoire of things they need Mm -hmm. to do on their to-do list? I I think it's, we're human. So it's a weakness for all of us. And what I love about my consultation groups that I see happening over and over is someone will be talking about a case and then someone will say, how are you doing? This is a really hard case. Like, how are you handling this? Like you've described a couple of really hard cases recently, or, you know, your tone, you just look like you're exhausted today. You just haven't seemed like your perky self. Like how can we support you in, in taking care of yourself better? And 
you know, if you have colleagues that can do that for you or friends, like ideally we can do that for ourselves. And sometimes we can and sometimes we can't, but we have to have people in our lives mm -hmm. who can look at us and say, gosh, you are really helping this person, but it's coming at a cost to you. How can I help you be okay? I love that. And I just had, because I'm not in your <laughs> consultation group, yes. but I am in a peer consultation group. And I just had mm -hmm. that happen last Friday, right? Is where one of the women was talking about something and we were all just throwing all these great ideas mm -hmm. out there to her, you know, and kind of probably yeah. kind of flooding her. And then finally, one of us just stopped and said, wait, mm -hmm. what's it like for you right now as you're talking about this? And so it was very helpful. And I agree with you. I love that. Um, the idea that us pleasers and, and perfect people have a tendency to be quite self-sufficient and not ask for help, but how vital it is for people to be able to see us and know us and to have that one at least one friend that can call you out on stuff. Like, are you still blowing off the neighbor's driveway? Like it's been three years. Like they don't have a broken leg anymore. Like, yeah, I think you can stop, you know? Um, I love that. So yes. thank you. I, I like that. <laughs> I am not that particular friend to people, but I love it when somebody does that to me. Like, whoa, check yourself, girl. Like what's happening? Right? <laughs> You're like, Oh, yes. Thank you. Now I'm out of the trance. Well, thank you so much for this. I know that we have just scratched the surface with, with what the therapists out there and the non-therapists can do, but at least it's acknowledging and validating, which are two of the greatest um, things we can give mm -hmm. to other people, that sometimes it's hard and we, we got to remember, you know, mm -hmm. we are human and no matter whether we're in this profession of helping or whether we just are inclined to do it because we're yeah. empathetic folks that, that it's not all mm -hmm. just free flowing love, <laughs> yes. hearts and butterflies to everybody. We gotta, we gotta yeah. close yeah. the door a little yeah, bit. If you and have take a care therapist friend for the people listening, go give them a hug. I guarantee you they need it. <laughs> <laughs> hold a lot of shit. We can hold a lot of shit. And just know that we're holding a lot of shit. <laughs> okay. So I know that you said that you probably aren't taking clients, but you also work with ADD women and um, also just throwing it out there for any therapist that might be listening. Tell us what you can offer our folks and uh, where they can um, find you. For therapy, again, I'm not taking <laughs> clients. <laughs> I would love to say I have an amazing website with like a whole page full of resources. That's like been on my to-do list for about 10 years. So you won't find that there either. But <laughs> okay. my, my okay, gotcha. JanineWolfLCSW.com. If you're interested in my consultation okay. groups, there's a really long sorted story behind the name of it and it's hard to spell, but it's called Collab Oasis <laughs> Clinical Consultation Groups. And that's spelled C-O-L-L-A-B-O-A-S-I-S dot com. And then you can <laughs> yeah, I was with you as you were as you were naming that. Oh, what that ooh, that was a journey. Actually, I wish I knew about chat GTP back then, because that probably would have made my life a lot easier. Um, and then the podcast is colleagedownthehall.com and it's on all the major platforms. Yes. 
Yes. And that's, I think, a great way for people Mm -hmm. to get to know you too. And if they have felt like they really resonate with what you're saying and they love your vibe, (laughs) then uh, go check her out on her podcast too. So, okay, we're going to wrap up. And thank you so much, friend, for showing up and just letting myself and any other clinician out there know that Mm -hmm. we see each other and um, there are spaces that we can support each other. So find them. And for the non-therapist people out there, we're going to be talking more on the show about how to create community and things like that. So keep your ears open for when that episode is going to come out. But thank you. I will wrap up now. And I'll see you later, pleasers and perfectionists. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about me and how I work, please go to www.powertothepleasers.com. And if you want to get even more special attention, get on the mailing list. It's not fluff. It's not going to waste your time. It's always intentional and educational. So I'll see you there. Later. Later.